testing, which the Trump administration wants to eliminate. CPB funding ensures that local community radio stations and public media can continue to give you access to essential educational, informational, and cultural programming. If this funding were to be zeroed out, community radio stations around the country would lose substantial amounts of support, which could even cause some stations to close down completely. In WERU's case, 25% of our annual budget comes from the CPB. You can get informed and involved at WERU.org and protectmypublicmedia.org. And thank you for supporting Community Radio. Support for WERU comes from Village Soup, the Republican Journal, providing the communities of Waldo, Knox, and Hancock Counties with news, information, ideas, events, goods, and services on newsstands Thursdays and on the web at waldo.villagesoup.com. It's about 20 seconds before the hour of 4 o'clock here at WERU. That's WERU 89.9 in Blue Hill, 99.9 in Bangor, and streaming at WERU.org. We're volunteer-powered. We're a voice of many voices, and we are listener-supported. Stand by for Main Currents. And this is Maine Currents, independent local news, views, and culture for Wednesday, May 31st, 2017. I'm Amy Brown. My guests today are Rick Otto, a local attorney and author of The Paradox of Our National Security Complex, How Secrecy and Security Diminish Our Liberty and Threaten Our Democratic Republic. And Peter Tabor, who has been an active Maine citizen on both environmental and political fronts for many years, as well as a former journalist over a span of more than 40 years. Peter has reported from three continents, but most of his career was spent in Maine, where he was a reporter at the Bangor Daily News for 10 years and later, and he says more gratifyingly, for another 16 years at Belfast's employee-owned Waldo Independent. He lives in Searsport, where he's been active in building a successful opposition to a number of proposed industrial projects that were, quote, both harebrained and environmentally destructive. And in that capacity, Peter Tabor has been a guest here on WERU several times over the years. And Rick Otto was a guest a a few years ago as well on Common Health. Welcome back, Rick and Peter. Thank you for having us. I'm glad to have you both here. Uh, Both have had careers in fields that require a healthy dose of skepticism and analytical thinking, which is what we're going to be tapping into on the show today. We're going to start with a discussion of the book, and then we're going to expand the conversation to include present-day politics. And we're going to be talking about conspiracies, which will probably have some of you already rolling your eyes or making jokes about tinfoil hats. But we're going to ask you to stick around and keep an open mind and a little bit later actually join the discussion as well. And in the meantime, ask yourself if you believe that the U.S. government and the powers that be have never conspired to keep secrets from the public. Have they or have they not in your mind? We're going to be opening the phone lines for your questions and comments later in the program. So starting with Rick's book, again, Rick Otto's book is The Paradox of Our National Security Complex. Uh, Rick, why did you write this book? Just in broad terms, what is it about and who is your audience? Well, essentially, I, um, um, I've i always been very interested in politics and history, and I began um, reading a number of um, books uh, on very controversial subjects, um, such as the overthrowing of governments, foreign governments, uh, by our intelligence communities. I had always avoided reading books about the Kennedy assassination because, personally, I I tried to focus on his life and his legacy, I, um, and uh, but then I watched the movie JFK by Oliver Stone, and I, that was where I began um, um, my research into figuring out what may have happened in Daly Plaza. Were we told the truth? Did Lee Harvey Oswald, using an antiquated Italian rifle with a defective scope, uh, uh, commit the crime of the uh, of the century? Um, and as I read more and more, I began to uh, uh, be very disturbed uh, about what I was reading, and I was uh, began in, uh, emailing friends and family about what I was finding out. And these emails were quite lengthy, and uh, my friends uh, told me they enjoyed them very much, and they indicated that uh, maybe I should have them published. So I began to uh, re-edit them and research further and uh, compile more information. 
and I put them together in a format that I thought would be easy for the novice to um, read uh, without being too overwhelmed with details. I tried not to go too much into the weeds uh, because I wanted people to see the overall picture, this thread of, of, that connects all these historical events. Most people view history as a, a, a collection of isolated events and dates that you're supposed to memorize. And unfortunately, too many of our teachers in schools teach it that way. But it's really a narrative. It's a story. And there's connections to all these stories. And I tried to show that in my book. As to the experts, they probably would recognize many of the things that I talked about, uh, but I was hoping that my observations and some of my uh, conclusions would add some um, uh, uh, legitimate uh, discussion to what I was talking about. The first section, uh, and it's quite long, the first section I think is about 100 pages long, and it really does sort of outline a lot of places that are jumping off points for looking further into uh, several different topics, but you're setting the stage for, I think, the I think the primary focus, you would agree, is the middle section of the JFK assassination, a little bit more some of the uh, um, folks that you name afterwards in the final section, which is called the dissenters. The first section, which sets the stage, you could pick any of the particular topics and research further, but where did you find information from them? And I don't want to get into those as much as I want to talk about the middle section about the JFK assassination, because I think uh, there's so much in the first section that we just can't even we don't have time to even touch on it there. But uh, you talk about various CIA operations. You talk about overthrow of governments and uh, other places which have been well documented. What were some places that you used for legitimate research as opposed to just somebody else's random theory? Well, the Internet is an amazing source for anyone who um, doesn't have the money to fly around and actually go to many of the locations where uh, or where the national archives and so forth so um, I found I went on a number of sites some of them uh, I found were not very credible and you had to be very careful because there's uh, all kinds of sites out there Um, and it took a while to figure out who the credible people were but um, when I would go on their sites, there, were, there was one. It's, it's actually changed its name to Kennedys and King, but it was the Citizens for the Truth about the Kennedy assassination. And Lisa Peace and James Diogenio had um, uh, created this probe magazine, which went on for like 10 years. And they had written all these uh, articles about certain aspects of the, the assassinations of the 1960s. And they were highly regarded within the community as very meticulous researchers that never said anything they couldn't back up with proof. In fact, their motto was, if you have an extraordinary claim, you should have extraordinary evidence to back it up. And uh, another thing that they did on that site was they reviewed books, and they'd give their opinion about whether this author had actually written a good book, it was a credible book, and well-researched. And so... um, I would uh, many times, through that type of research, reading their reviews and other reviews, I'd figure out which were the most credible books, and I'd add them to my library and read them and include them in my emails. It seemed like you were relying on, as much as possible, people who are professionals within the field, like forensic scientists who were doing reviews of the literature as well. Yes. uh, I mean... uh, Obviously, you know, as an attorney, I I dealt with them when I represented clients in the criminal courts, uh, and they were the ones that were looking at this evidence that that was available to uh, the public and analyzing it and making sense out of it. Um, And they're very important to getting the basic uh, foundation to understanding what happened, for example, in Daly Plaza. So the jumping off point, I think, for most of us, even if we don't know anything else about the JFK assassination, the part that may call into question the theory of a lone gunman shooting one shot from behind is the the film that was released. I think it was Life magazine that owned the rights to the film. And when it was finally released uh, six or seven years later, people saw that well, without going into gory details, just seeing that film would call into anyone's mind the idea, the notion that he'd been shot from behind, as you see Jackie Kennedy scrambling out over the back of the car. 
So from there, uh, just in uh, sort of a synopsis, what did you what do you conclude actually happened? What is your um, after the research you've done? What are your ideas about what happened with the Kennedy JFK assassination? Well, it was a standard um, um, intelligence operation. Uh, Kennedy basically uh, was driven into a, um, uh, a situation in which there were um, shooters in, that formed a triangular formation and uh, had predetermined the spot where they were all going to start shooting. And so there was a crossfire position that once he was in that spot, they would start shooting at him. Now, some of the uh, one of the shots was fired from the Manlicher Carcano rifle that Oswald allegedly uh, used in the killing. That particular shot was was fired, missed the limousine by two hundred feet to the left, and actually hit a curb on Main Street, chipping off a part of the cement that hit James Tagg, a witness to the assassination, in his right cheek, and it it, it broke the skin enough that there was some blood that came out. And a Dallas police officer observed the wound and observed uh, the uh, damage done to the curb and had determined it was done by a bullet. And uh, so I, I believe that that was the only shot that came from the Manlicher Carcano. Many people don't realize the thr- there were three shell casings there at the, uh, uh, the sniper's nest. But uh, only one of those shell casings were determined by forensic e- experts to have been fired by a, a bolt-action rifle on the day of the assassination. The other two had been placed there. They had been fired on a different day. Um, and uh, so, you know, uh, when you, you begin to delve into the evidence and you start to g- get into the weeds, you begin to realize by looking at what the forensic experts had determined. Forrest Chapman, for example was a forensic expert that looked at the shell casings, and he had determined that Commission Exhibit 543 had been dry-loaded. That shell casing had been dry-loaded. What does that mean? That means that it was put in without a bullet in its in the shell. It was just put into a, a rifle. And um, the FBI uh, did a study, and they concluded that um, the markings on that bullet were consistent with something that, that had been dry-loaded. Um, the, and then uh, CE-545, they also determined, had not been fired by a rifle that day, a bolt-action rifle that day. That only left CE-544, uh, Commission Exhibit 544. So there was only one shell casing that was found at the sniper's nest that had actually been fired on the day of the assassination. Um, the other shooters were, one was located in the Dell Tex building, and I could go into explaining how Daly Plaza is set up. But uh, and there was uh, two, two shooters on the grassy knoll, one behind the fence and one down closer down towards the triple overpass, which was the railroad bridge in which all three roads that went through Daly Plaza mer- uh, converged and went under. That's why they called it the triple underpass. There were three roads that went under that bridge. And then there's the South Knoll, which was on the other side of the uh, of the Grassy Knoll, which is more famous, and more people are um, uh, would recognize that. Most people have ignored the South Knoll, but Sherry Feister, a crime scene reconstruction expert, determined using uh, modern forensic techniques and trajectory analysis, had determined that the kill shot had come from the South Knoll, the one that actually killed President. That, uh, uh, caused President Kennedy to sustain a mortal wound that he died of uh, shortly thereafter. If you're just joining us, this is Maine Currents, and that was Rick Otto, the author of The Paradox of Our National Security Complex, and you can read a lot more about that and uh, other uh, information that he has gathered in that book. Uh, has more information is being released, and I think your book says that there's going to be still more that's declassified this year in 2017. Yeah. Is it corroborating what you believe, or have you had to throw out any of uh, the things that you've already come to believe about well, this case? Many of it is uh, related to um, CIA agents and operatives that are uh, prime suspects in, within the research community to have uh, either had foreknowledge or had participated in the that's assassination. What's coming, that's what's being revealed in the stuff yeah, that's getting Yeah, such as William Harvey. Uh, he was a uh, 
an agent that was in charge of their assassination program. He ran uh, ZR Rifle and Task Force W, which were involved in the attempted assassinations on Castro, Fidel Castro of Cuba. And um, a lot of his documents have not been released. As you know, just briefly, um, at the end of Oliver Stone's movie was this innocuous paragraph that indicated that thousands upon thousands of documents uh, the government still had in their possession that were not scheduled to be released until 2039. And when after the public saw that film, they wrote to their congressman demanding the release of those documents. And uh, Congress responded appropriately, and they passed the John F. Kennedy Records Act of 1992. That resulted in millions of pages uh, that consisted of six, over 60,000 documents and approximately two to four million pages of information uh, that was in the archives of the FBI, the CIA, the NSA, the, the Pentagon, uh, the executive branch, uh, the Kennedy tapes were released. Oral histories were released. And any idea what's going to be released this year? Does anybody have any sense of... Uh, it, it's about, uh, um, well, there's 1,100 to 1,600 um, documents that relate to several different types, uh, several different individuals that are top um, primary suspects in the Kennedy assassination, such as William Harvey, David Sanchez Morales, which who was a, a CIA assassin, and, and, and others that um, they're hoping will fill in part of the mosaic that they've been building for decades to answer the question, you know, uh, who, why, when, and and. Uh, who uh, committed the crime, why did they commit the crime, and who benefited from the crime. And in very general terms, your theory about why has to do with uh, Kennedy being more of a peacemaker rather than a hawk. Uh, Yeah, the the things that you need to understand is there were certain narratives that were put out there, a narrative regarding Lee Harvey Oswald, and there was a narrative regarding President Kennedy. And President Kennedy's narratives, especially after 1970, uh, began was essentially that he was a cold war, a traditional cold warrior, who was even more belligerent than Eisenhower. That he uh, wanted to prove his manhood, that he held grudges, um, and that uh, uh, he was uh, essentially a very cautious politician who was all style and glamour and um, no action. Uh, and in terms of his foreign policy, he was a, he was a hawk, uh, and he was clearly going to go into Vietnam just like Johnson did. He was, um, was going to overthrow Castro's Cuba, uh, and he was going to do all the things that uh, the national security complex wanted at the time. And there was no reason for them to want to kill him because he was uh, he was in agreement with them and was a staunch anti-communist. The reality of it was that President Kennedy, uh, actually in the campaign, he had written a book called The Strategy of Peace. And he had laid out his plan to try to end the Cold War, uh, to try to resolve our differences in, in different um, areas of the world, and he wanted, um, as he pointed out in his 1957 speech in, uh, about Algeria and the colonial war that was going on with uh, the French at the time, that we needed to reexamine how we treated the third world and these countries that wanted to break uh, um, their colonial ties and become sovereign, independent, autonomous nations. And he was in support of that. And he felt that uh, the United States would be on the wrong side of history if we didn't support it either. Now, uh, all of those positions were antithetical to the objectives and the goals of people like Alan Dulles, who ran the CIA, and, the, and uh, General Curtis LeMay and many of the generals that were uh, the, um, part of the military brass in the Pentagon. Um, they believed that the um, communists were a monolithic entity that was controlled by uh, Moscow and to some degree Peking or Beijing now, it's called, and um, that their goal was world domination, and we had to uh, defeat them militarily, and that was the only way you could deal with them, and that any negotiation uh, uh, with the enemy was uh, no different uh, than what Chamberlain did with Hitler in Munich in 1938.
All right. Well, you're listening to Maine Currents and WERU. As I said, that is Rick Otto, author of The Paradox of Our National Security Complex. And we're going to shift gears now, bring it more into the present day, introduce Peter Tabor again. He's joining us. Peter Tabor is a longtime local uh, journalist for many decades in the area. And we're talking with both Peter and Rick. Uh, as people who work in professions that require, uh, in, in addition to being an author, I should mention again that Rick is an attorney, that require some level of skepticism, not just taking information at face value, so that we can talk about how to evaluate things that... Uh, get dismissed as conspiracy theories, which ones should be dismissed as as being thrown into the mix for who knows by whom or why, versus a healthy distrust of the powers that be that don't always and have been proven repeatedly to not always necessarily have the the uh, best interests of the public in mind. Bringing it up to the present day, Peter, I know we've had a little bit of a discussion about what's happening now with Trump. And you're not the only one among people that I know who, whether they support Trump or not, have some questions about the what's being called the Russia Gate situation, the drama, and, and what this all means, what's going on behind the scenes there. So thanks for joining us. And uh, I want to just hand it over to you to take that from whatever direction you'd like. Okay. Well, I think that uh, the, the, uh, the f- format of the world has changed. Uh, that the, the, the journalists, even at the, at the very top, have, have – um, have uh, have uh, had certain standards, and it's and it's sort of shocking. We started with Fox News as just going off the deep end and being purely ideological much of the time. But <clears throat> I, 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 I just uh, just uh, here's a simple fact, um, and then you can draw your conclusions as to what the connection might be. The one newspaper in this country, a newspaper of record, the Washington Post, has, uh, which was famous for uh, jointly releasing the Pentagon Papers under Bill Bradley, um, is is an entirely different uh, news organ uh, than it was in past years. In 2012, it was purchased by. Jeff Bezos, one of the wealthiest men in the world, the billionaire behind uh, Amazon, and he, he and he uh, he spent a quarter of a billion dollars, two hundred and fifty million dollars for it. Two months later, he signed a contract with the security, the intelligence community, uh, for six hundred million dollars to conduct psyops, which is. Uh, psychological operations, and also to provide a cloud for the CIA's information. Now, how is that known? Well, that, that uh, I mean, so that, you can't, buy a, can't buy a newspaper of records. No, no, and, I mean the contract with PSYOPs. That's not something that you would think would no, be that's something the, that, that, that people that's would be able to no, find there's out. There's no question about that either. Um, there's some good alternative media, right, like The Guardian and The Intercept where you can get this information. Yeah, I think some of the English press, the individual writers, there have always been people been quite perceptive. I'll take you back 80 years, the, the English uh, uh, journalist Chad Coburn, whose children and grandchildren have also had rather stellar independent performances as journalists in later days. They set up Counterpunch, which I'll... I'll uh, go to in a moment. But he's famous for having quipped back in like the late 1920s. This is Bezos again? Chad uh, Coburn. Oh, okay. He's famous for having quipped. um, He says, believe nothing until it has been officially denied. And there's a lot of truth to that. And people have been aware of it. But they haven't crossed the line in the way in which the Washington Post does. The, the Google News aggregate, Google News, starts almost every day. It, it starts with stories that are either by the Washington Post, the New York Times, or CNN, almost exclusively. It's, you know, eight, 75% of their sources on national, international news. Um, um, but they've, they're now they've moved into an area... 
Um, they've been the the Washington Post in particular, but the New York Times, the everything except Fox News has been has been hammering the idea that the Russians uh, meddled in the in the 2016 elections, and most people are not aware of the fact that this is there is no and the only people people listen to Fox News and this is what confuses it because you know people are split in this dichotomy of you know left right Trump versus you know the the DNC Democrats but it's it's almost as if it were it serves as if it even if it isn't deliberate to obscure what's going on. Um, uh, someone I wish I'd thought of, it's, I think it's a wonderful phrase, says that right now what we have is a wasteland of mirrors. And it's very, very confusing to, to try and figure out what exactly is going on. But if you do analyze, for instance, the supposed proof, and this was the famous promise proof of the, the Russians were 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 uh, that we were the American people were promised that the that the Russians were hacking our our election. Um, so far, what we've been given is is total nonsense. Um, uh, and we're we're to trust the the intelligence community, which has not always been proven trustworthy in the past. Uh, Th- that of course is true, but and the and the, w- w- what you had were ideologues like um, John Bannon, um, the head of the CIA, and um, and James, um, what's his name? James Clapper, the head of the uh, the. Uh, you... Which, by the way, Glenn Greenwald called uh, Ban uh, the uh, John Brennan the intercept. John Brennan, right? Yeah, they called him. Uh, one of the a pathological liar and a former assassin from the CIA. That's what Glenn Grenwald. Well, we're going to continue this discussion. Let me give the phone number in case listeners want to jump in and ask any questions. Again, Peter Tabor and Rick Otto are with me here on Main Currents today. The phone number is four six nine six. Excuse me, four six nine zero five hundred into the studio four six nine zero five hundred, or you can call toll free one eight six six. Six two five nine three seven eight. Uh, talking about uh, present day things that may not be as they seem. Using applying some critical thinking to what the mainstream media is telling us to believe, and trying to see how we can effectively not get carried away with anxiety and paranoia about it, but effectively try to nail down some good sources of information and some understanding of history to judge what's going on in the current day. So, Peter, I'm, I sidetracked you a little bit there. Well, you know, there's an, an issue that has uh, arisen, and it's, uh, it's, it's been widely regarded as sen- – it is sensational, certainly, if it's true. But in any case, the only person – the only – People that um, have been flogging this idea that most people are, are aware of is the Fox News, and that's unfortunate because people tend to dismiss it. And Sean Hannity, what's his name? Yeah, Hannity. Yes. Um, you know, has in fact gotten himself into trouble. There's a a campaign well, to known as being a birther to kill and... his uh, ever you know to to boycott his advertisers and. Well, the Sean Hannity situation, for anyone who isn't aware of it, just in a nutshell, involves Seth Rich, who's a DN was a DNC employee who uh, was uh, killed. the The theory is that he had, and apparently, there's been um, some sort of corroboration or, or statements to the or that maybe corroborate this from Julian Assange that he was the one who we, who leaked to WikiLeaks the DNC emails. Uh, he was killed and uh, shot in D.C. And the piece that, to me, that makes no sense about this being a professional hit was not only was he left alive, but he was left conscious in this supposed uh, professional hit. And then a few days later, some federal intelligence agency showed up at his hospital, supposedly, and mm. kicked all the nurses out. And then when sort they left, he was dead. Some, something like that. It's so, a, yeah. So that's the theory it, about that. Uh, 
the, and and uh, the family has had people from the conservative wing representing them, and then I think later had people from the Democrats representing them as spokespeople. The other way around, actually. It was a backwards and yeah. And they finally just yeah. asked Sean Hannity yeah. and Fox to just stop talking about it, stop exploiting their grief because yeah. they feel like they're being manipulated. And he initially agreed to do that, but has taken it back up and as recently as today said that he's on a quest for truth. Yeah, I mean, the family is, is, is obviously disturbed about what happened and they've, they've gone back and forth. I almost don't want to launch the details as they seem to be emerging regarding Seth Rich are are uh, lurid and sensational, but that doesn't mean they aren't necessarily true. In fact, there's a lot of evidence for it um, that's been been emerging. Um, there's been these essentially these two claims that the Russians uh, hacked hacked into DNC com- computers and into into national security service computers and uh, and pass this information on to WikiLeaks, which in turn, you know, um, there was something like 20,000 emails, many of them highly unflattering to Hillary Clinton's campaign. She, in fact, she's had several reasons why she lost the election, uh, but that that was one of them. Um, Not looking at what the, 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 the... Emails themselves have not been denied the reality of the emails, but <laughs> how these emails came to into the public sphere has been pretty much obscured with because of the debate about well were they hacked or a minority opinion which has been going along for quite a while but has not been widely most people have not been widely aware of it until Fox News picked it up. But long before that, there's a considerable b- body of independent journalists, mostly operating on the Internet, who are responsible. Um, the Chad Coburn's grandchildren who run um, Counterpunch is a, is a good example of that. And they have been maintaining that, no, it was an inside job. It was not a... a it was not a hack job. It was a leak. And there is, I think, some very, very compelling arguments that this, in fact, is uh, is true. That, that Seth Rich or somebody yeah. else actually, yeah. uh, and but, the, the reasoning for Seth Rich supposedly doing it is because he found out what happened to Bernie Sanders' campaign. How yeah, that he Bernie was a disgruntled employee. Right. But but l- l- let me address the, the hacking charge. Um. We have a gentleman who there are some actually some very fine people in the intelligence community, but most of them, (laughs) at least that we know of, are are retired. Back in 2003, a group of them um, uh, formed and they this was the time which George W. Bush was was in his cohorts were beating the drums for war with Iraq based upon what we now know was totally false information. And there were people in the intelligence community who were disturbed, particularly at the National Security Agency. The National Security Agency is one of 17 intelligence agencies, and its job and its its personnel take some pride in being independent. Their job is to always keep the truth up front so that um, the country doesn't go off on some ideologue, some politicians, uh, view of this would be really good evidence. Yeah, like great weapons of mass destruction, and pretty soon, you know, um, you know, uh, uh, the, you know, the whole world thinks that uh, Saddam Hussein knocked down the World uh, Trade, Trade Center. Center yeah. uh, even after that's long been demonstrated publicly, is is not the case. Um, the business of whether or not the Russians hacked the. Uh, the national, uh, you know, into John Podesta's emails and the emails that were taken from the from the um, the um, the Democratic National Committee um, 
comes down to a technical issue, and I think it's very compelling. The group of professionals who formed formed a group called uh, Veteran Intelligence Professionals for Sanity, and they were originally, when they formed in 2003, were deeply upset about the fact that they were being ignored and we were going to war in spite of the fact that there was, in fact, no basis for for taking out Saddam Hussein because he, you know because he was about ready to unleash weapons of mass destruction on the world, and th- they're still around uh, 14 years later, and what they say and, and rather than try and in my hack layman's way try to interpret it, I would if people don't believe me go to the veterans um, uh, the vet. Uh, Veteran Intelligence Professionals for Sanity website, and they will explain precisely why they don't believe for a moment that it was hacked, that that, that, that the, the NSA, in fact, just shows you the extent of the surveillance that's, uh, that is now arisen. Um, the, the NSA people say that there was no, they would have known if if these if these servers had been hacked, and they explain it has to do with I don't know these routing codes for packets of information, but I mean they say it like you know it's like as plain as the nose on your face you know it's not it's not a, some nebulous uh, arcane area of information no way I I would uh, also send people to to hear what Ray. McGovern, who is a NSA, he formerly ran there. He was their top Russian expert at the And I believe NSA. he's one of Rob Shutterly's Americans to tell the truth, if I remember correctly as well. Was he really? I think but so. But he's a, uh, he, he's a co-founder of uh, Veterans uh, VIPS. Um, and uh, he's made it very clear. He, he speaks with absolute certainty. And this is a man... Um, who you know when he doesn't know something says well maybe this and that and but he's adamant on this subject and as I say at the at the uh, VIPS uh, website uh, they, they, you can read the uh, the details for this until um, Fox News and Sean Hannity you know suddenly decided that you know this was. Uh, because they're defending Trump, obviously, uh, they decided that this information was germane. Then you hear that oh, it's a conspiracy theory. Now, conspiracy theory has developed a pejorative sense because yes, sometimes there are silly things or things that are for ideological reasons are put forth that are or nonsense. things that become actually dangerous. Yeah. But. Conspiracies do exist. The world wouldn't right. exist without conspiracies, you know. They, when see, Hitler wiped see, out the SA, you know, that was a conspiracy. What's that? We see that all the time in the criminal courts. No, I, sure. I, wait, wait, wait. What did you say about Hitler? Oh, back in what, 1934 when Hitler eliminated the, the SA and uh, I mean, the night of the – of the long knives, you know. I mean, all over the country. When they burnt down the the Reichstag. Well, that yeah, and and that and they is blamed it on the communists. And you know. to this day, that is some sometimes you know is is questioned. Oh, it was a, you know, but um, well, there are people who who uh, I mean, you're not getting into the territory of like Holocaust deniers here and saying that you don't believe that you're not saying that was a conspiracy well, as well. Pe- people who would argue that are probably uh, uh, are, are, I think, barking up a uh, an outrageously wrong tree because, you know, the Germans are, are great at at, uh, at details of, of, you know, recording information. There's, I mean, I don't want to go down that. But, but um, I, I think it, on this business of conspiracy I, uh, theory, I... There's a, 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 a story on Counterpunch that came out early last week by a regular contributor named Mike Whitney, and he's very careful. He, he talks about the Seth Rich issue, but he's very careful to say, you know, say I'm not going, you know, I'm not going to discuss here who I think did it. That's neither here nor there. Um, uh, what 
and he opens his piece with what I think is um, the, that and another point are the heart of his story, and I'll quote him. He says, why is it, and he puts it conspiracy theory in quotation marks, because it has been, that term has been so, um, you know, muddied. He says, why is it a conspiracy theory to think that a disgruntled Democratic National Committee staffer gave WikiLeaks the DNC emails, but it's not a conspiracy theory to think the emails were provided by Russia. And um, and uh, and he goes on, having presented, you know, the 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 evidence that in fact, one there has been no 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 uh, direct hard evidence that the Russians hacked this and. And uh, and then of course there's you know all the technical information that the DNA, that the um, that the uh, the intelligence services would have definitely known if that had happened. Um, but he, he, he and he, then he concludes that the logical course of action would be to pursue the leads that are most likely to bear fruit. He's answering his original question, not those that originate from one's political bias. And as I think, you know, the, you know, sometimes, you know, it's, it's the logic of the situation and the, and the motive, qui bono, you know, who benefits? So, um, and, I, and I wanted to sort of hold off before I go into the, anything about Seth Rich well, because well, it is so lurid. Yeah, let's pause it there for, for just a second, though, and let's give the phone number again. If you're just joining us, this is Main Currents on WERU. I'm Amy Brown, joined today uh, by most recently you heard Peter Tabor speaking. He was a journalist for many years, a local activist as well. And also we have joining us uh, Rick Otto, who is the author of The Paradox of Our National Security Complex, also a local person and attorney. And we're talking about uh, we're giving some examples and getting into some of these different things that have been labeled conspiracy theories what we're trying to get to the root of with two people who have uh, been employed in fields where they're using some critical thought to trying to analyze and discern what is actual conspiracy versus what is something that's uh, just somebody's hobby of being kind of going down a rabbit hole how do you tell the truth between which is which and we'll welcome your phone calls as well if you have some thoughts about this of how to really research things and find out when you're being told the truth or not the number is 469-0500 and we have david from dixmont on the line uh welcome to main currents david thank you thank you um, I, I think the interesting thing here is that we need to understand that technology marches on and an email leak is no different than yellow journalism from the 1800s or people claiming that Ed Muskie was on a bus calling Canadians Canucks or the swift boat issue against John Kerry or uh, Citizens United. We've got the Koch brothers. Uh, the technology in meddling with politicians and, and campaigns just goes on and on. And uh, it happens across borders. The United States has certainly done it in other countries a lot of the time, even you know, right to the point of Obama walking into the middle of the French election the other day. Uh, but the only reason that this really seems to have so much fire is because, oh, it's Russia. All right. of a sudden, it's the Russians that have done this, and so it must be a big conspiracy. But it's, this, it's politics as usual. And I think the thing to understand is that all politicians need to have an enemy. You can't run for office unless you can run against somebody. Uh, Bernie ran against the billionaire class. And, you know, that's as much of an enemy in his mind as, as Russia is to, to John McCain. Uh, so I, I think lots of times when you start hearing about the conspiracy, it basically is a kill the messenger kind of thing. But if you look at it, uh, this kind of stuff has been going on and will continue to go on. Uh, and unfortunately, Peter, I think, is, is right that the, the, the press, the, what used to be the mainstream press, the legitimate press, is not paying attention anymore. They, they're getting caught up in... in in shooting the messenger as much as trying to determine whether it's true or not. As Peter points out, no one has disputed the accuracy of any of this email stuff, so we're all just worried about where it's coming from, and that that's probably the difference. Hey, thank, thank you for your call, David. Uh, okay, we, I th we don't have another caller in line now, but we have time for a few more calls, uh, 469 
If you want to call locally, 469-0500 or 1-866-625-9378. Rick, we haven't heard from you for a while, so let's let you comment, and we'll go well, back to Peter. In opinion. terms of this uh, Russian hacking into the uh, uh, DNC servers uh, and getting the emails, John uh, Modesta's and all, I, I mean, I think it's a diversionary tactic, to be honest with you, uh, uh, because they haven't denied the content that uh, WikiLeaks has disclosed. And uh, Julian Assange said that he received the information from a non-state actor, and uh, he wasn't going to disclose his source or give any information out uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, uh, if, uh, the, if he started to dis- uh, give any hints on who his source was, he'd never get any information from anybody. He, that WikiLeaks would be dead in the water. Um, also, you know, Peter said some interesting things about the theory Nope. Of um, um, conspiracies, uh, why there's such a uh, derogatory, negative connotation associated with them. And oddly enough, it began with the Kennedy assassination in a document the CIA disseminated in 1967 to its media assets. Uh, people weren't aware of it at the time, and I can go into detail, but um, before the church committee, they had this program called Operation Mockingbird. And they literally had 400 journalists on the payroll. And many of them, uh, according to Noam Chomsky, an MIT dissident professor, were a, a list of people that were who's who in the journalist Working world. for the CIA. Peter, quick comment before we take a call? Or? No, go ahead. And okay. Call. Uh, Fred and Tenants Harbor, <clears throat> welcome to Maine Currents. Thanks so much for the program. Thanks for joining us. Um, I have... Uh, I have been very happy to cross uh, the the, uh, the overview from Buckminster Fuller with regard to uh, secrecy and all related on the national international stage uh, when he pointed out that uh, the sea pirates the the great sea pirates uh, morphed into the corporate pirates and of course secrecy is one of their most important uh, uh, ways of operating. And so that's what we get now in our corporate state, full blown, is uh, and um, and with regard to all the confusion. Um, wow, uh, I can't remember the phrase earlier, but boy, it uh, really said it about. Uh, it's coming to a head of all the organizations and people who've got secrets. Uh, you know, they're 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 more and more tempted to use them against others and vice versa and uh i'll, I'll let it go at that but <laughs> it's uh i you know and and i'm i'm studying something called the course in miracles and basically it says uh, do you love or do you fear and if you put the emphasis on love then you can uh leave the bs behind uh, partially and uh, get on with your life Thanks so much for the program. Thanks for the call, Fred. The number is 469-0500 here on Main Currents. Do you think that there are people who are uh, as skeptical as you both are about the Trump connections with the Russians, or at least the way that they're being described to us about, uh, you know, there may be other connections going on commercially that uh, are worth investigating. That doesn't seem to be necessarily where this is going. It seems to be uh, they hacked the elections in Trump's favor. We don't hear quite as much about necessarily the business interest aspect of it. Uh, but do you think that there are people who are like, all right, there are a million different reasons to bring down Trump, go with whatever they can dig up, and are just going to let this go because because Trump is unpopular? Well, I, th- I think it's a little... Actually, Trump is quite popular. That's why he got elected. Well, his approval ratings are down to something like 35% as of last well, week. Well, I'm sure there's a tremendous torrent of, of, uh, of un, every day of, of unsavory, unpleasant things about him, some of which are true. Um, but I think it's more important to consider that perhaps Trump is, was, is a maverick, that he wasn't expected to win. In fact, there's a... There's certainly some some evidence that the Clinton campaign did their best to position Trump as her opposition because here was someone who was even more unattractive than their own candidate. Um, yeah, they were having sort of battling disapproval ratings throughout the campaign. Yeah. They were kind of neck and neck but, who was least popular. But I think, the, you know, the bigger issue is the Cold War. What we're seeing, and it was, and certainly the Democratic Party under the, 
neoliberals, uh, ever since Bill Clinton at least, has been uh, a war party just as much as the Republicans because war is big business. And I think after 30 years of Bush wars, which are they're problematic, things go wrong, um, you can't win them, they're, um, you can't, probably can't sell as much military hardware as you can if you have two monoliths going up against each other. It's not that they want war, it's they want to sell war material. Uh, Trump, uh, just the other day, um, there he is, seen grinning like a fool, waving a, a, a sword around with these other medieval savages. But he had just pulled off, there's Mr. Art of the Deal, he pulled off the biggest frigging uh, arms deal in the history of the world. It will be worth over $300 billion and $100 plus billion to start. Um, uh, that's nice, but uh, I think they, you know, the 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 mainstream media, and I'm glad to see MSM mainstream media as a concept in people's minds. That that the the corporate media, and we're down to about six news corporations, is is highly unreliable uh, on important things that concern our our future. What where, what sources do you go to? You mentioned Counterpunch. What else? Uh, I, I, some of them are bloggers. Some of them. I mean, all I'm doing. It's not like I, I have I have secret information or people whisper in my ear. I'm just like any normal citizen. It's out there on the internet, and there are some very intelligent people who are synthesizing information that's right out there. And putting it together, some people have a axe to grind that's very clear, and you can, you know, you may want to steer clear of them. I wanted to stay away from the lurid details of uh, of uh, Seth Rich because, you know, when when things are so apparently astonishing, people, you know, get cold feet. Oh, that wouldn't have happened. Well, I think there's a lot of evidence that in fact he was murdered. Well, he definitely was murdered. The question well, is by whom? Well, the, 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 and whether a professional hit job you I mean, know, I mean, left him alive I mean, and conscious. Let me throw a few details about Seth Rich out. He was, in fact, a passionate supporter of Bernie Sanders, but he worked as uh, an information tech. He was, I think, the senior information technology um, um, specialist at the DNC, and uh, some. And it is known that. His colleagues, in fact, used to tease him for being soft for Bernie. Um, um, so there is the potential there that he had motive. The other thing he had, obviously, was access. This information could be taken out of the building on a thumb drive. <laughs> and, I mean, that's that's how things are leaked nowadays off computer servers. If you, if, if you're authorized, you go over there and quietly and plug the thing in, and. We know that that Seth Rich um, met with uh, a, a couple of people, um, or so it appears, uh, who were representatives of Wikipedia. Oh, did I say Wikipedia? WikiLeaks. WikiLeaks. <laughs> and um, and um, one of them is a um, is the former is a senior was a senior uh, person in the in the uh, British. Uh, he was the former in the British diplomatic corps. He was uh, at one time the ambassador to Uzbekistan, Craig Murray, and um, uh, he's been. He is he's speaking on Pacifica Radio. Uh, ha, has said it's very likely he, he was not going to give away his source because, as as Julian Assange and they, Wikipedia, uh, Wiki, WikiLeaks does not has a policy of not revealing their <coughs> sources. But in uh, um, uh, any case, he's just one of at least two people from, from WikiLeaks who talked to Seth Rich and an or a representative of his. That's as far as he would say on this radio program. So there's that piece, and then there's whether or not the next step is that he was actually killed by someone right. <coughs> Excuse me, because of that. Um, one thing that did come up from that story that I hadn't been aware of before, and it turns out that other people were. But the way that they found that he had been shot in D.C. is they have 
microphones listening that are gunshot. uh, They hear gunshots and they alert the police. So there are microphones set up in the city that, you know, just can pick up the sounds of gunshot and, like, report that into the police. And, you know, who else, who knows what else those are picking up on. But uh, we have just about five minutes left. Uh, Let you each have have a final thought there. Uh, Rick Otto. As we wrap up, what are your final thoughts for listeners here? And then uh, let them know where they can get your book, and you can tell them the name of it again. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, essentially, uh, I think what Peter and I are talking about is this growing um, um, secrecy within our government that is undermining our um, um, our democratic institutions, um, is um, uh, uh, the... Uh, the independent press that the founding fathers um, uh, thought was very important as a guardian to our uh, liberty is also being infiltrated um, by corporate and government um, uh, powers that are using it as a means of propaganda um, to uh, support their special interests. Uh, And the press is... um, willingly, in many cases, uh, um, acquiescing their independence to these uh, individuals. Um, For example, you know, the Operation Mockingbird, which was created in the 1950s by Alan Dulles and Frank Wisner and Richard Helms of the CIA, and then Philip Graham of the Washington Post, uh, essentially was... um, uh, a corroboration because the CIA realized that if it wanted to influence domestic and foreign policy, it had to have a relationship with the media. If it wanted to promote its agenda, it had to have a relationship with the media. And um, this this went on for um, over two decades before the Church Committee brought it out into the public realm. Um, so it's very important that um, that we defend our democratic institutions, that we try to rebuild our republic by supporting net neutrality, by supporting free speech TV, by supporting radio stations like this, because um, the goal of these people are obviously to control the flow of information, and that's the name of the game. And that's what my book is, is about, is how the secrecy, uh, our secret government is engaged in practices that are inconsistent with the founding of our country and the principles that founded the country and is uh, undermining our security and our liberty and our democratic institutions. And so, we need to uh, uh, do what we can as citizens to make sure that uh, shows like this uh, are not taken off the air. Thank you. you. Give the name again and where people can uh, find the it. The name of the book is The Paradox of Our National Security Complex and many re- online retailers have it, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and there are even local bookshops that uh, have it for sale. And um, I have a Facebook page. It's called The Paradox of Our National Security Complex, and you can go on that page and see some of the articles that um, I have uh, put on there as well. Thank you. And it's Richard Otto, O-T-T-O. Uh, also, I want a quick correction. Oh, okay. okay, very quickly because we want to get Peter I'm a chance case manager for the Hancock County Drug Court, and I'm not a member of the main bar. I was a member for 15 years of the Connecticut Bar. Oh, okay. All right. Thank you for clarifying that. Peter Tabor, last well, word. Giving the time, I, I would just say amen to, uh, <laughs> to what Rick has said. Uh, and we need to not only hold our politicians' feet to the fire, but we need to hold our press feet to the fire. We need to embarrass them when they don't do their job and they are not doing their job. Well, thank you both for joining me today, and I appreciate your time and, and uh, being here with us. And that is all we have time for today. Uh, uh, Again, uh, Rick Otto is the author of The Paradox of Our National Security Complex, and Peter Tabor is a longtime local activist and for many decades a local reporter as well. You've been listening to Maine Currents, independent local news, views, and culture. I'm Amy Brown. John Greenman engineered today's show. This is our last Wednesday show. Starting next week, we'll be on at this time on Tuesdays. So join us next week, starting next week, Tuesdays, 4 to 5 o'clock. We're looking for people who have visited Katahdin Woods and Waters National Monument for an upcoming show. We've got a couple people lined up. We could uh, have a few more as well to do a show about what that experience has been like. So if you've visited there recently... 
Contact us. The email address is news at weru.org. Keep it tuned here for Democracy Now! coming up next, followed by Jazz Straight Ahead with Larry Stahlberg, only here on your community radio station, WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming online at weru.org. Thanks for listening. Support for WERU comes from Maine Farmland Trust, a member-supported, nonprofit organization focused on reviving the working landscape and securing a future for 